Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. Over the past four weeks, we have been in a sermon series called Path to the Cross. And it has been a journey as we have studied the life of Christ from his birth to his death. And yes, last week, I intentionally left Jesus in the tomb. I told you, we'll get him out this week. But like a good season finale, we needed, we needed a, a, you know, a, a little bit of mystery there. We needed to know, you know, some, we needed to look forward to the next season. Today is that next season. Today, we celebrate a risen Savior. And Pastor Andrew did a great job this morning at the sunrise service getting Jesus out of the tomb. And so this, this has just been a pleasure to preach about the life of Christ. It, I've figured this out. It's impossible to preach the life of Christ in four weeks. It's just impossible. But nevertheless, we did it. We crammed it and we we got it done. When I was a youth pastor, I had a bearded dragon in my office. Now, I don't mean that he just roamed around wherever, you know, like opened the door to my office and there he is sitting on a shelf, you know, that, that wasn't it. And if you don't know what a bearded dragon is, uh, it was a lizard and he was about this long. And by the time that I killed him, he was about this long. And uh, I didn't do it on purpose. It was uh, strictly by accident. I'm really not even sure how it happened. He just died. But, you know, it, it happens. And, uh, and so I, he lived in a terrarium in my office. Uh, and, and basically that's an aquarium, but it has uh, like a mesh top on it and a heat lamp. And there was sand in the bottom and a long log. And he would lay on that log underneath the heat lamp. And, and, and about twice a week I'd feed him crickets. And so I'd go at lunch down to the pet store and I'd get me a, a bag of feeder crickets and they would put about a hundred crickets in a, in a brown paper sack and they would staple it and you could hear them crawling inside the sack. I mean, it was just, it, it, it was strange, weird. Some of you are like, you know, you got the, the squirmies right now. I see, I, I see what's happening. And, uh, and so I, I would pick them up, I'd take them back to the office, I'd pour them in and, and quickly Harley, that was the name of my, my bearded dragon because I had a, an infatuation with motorcycles at the time and so we named him Harley. And Harley would eat about 50 of them at a time. I mean, he would just, just down these things. And then, uh, and then a few days later, I'd have to go get some more, you know. And, um, and so this one particular day, I couldn't go at lunch. And so I decided on my way home from the office, after work was over, I'm going to go and I'm going to get the, the feeder crickets. And I'll just feed them to him the next morning. And so I, I stopped by the pet shop. I got the feeder crickets in a bag. They stapled the bag shut. I put it in the passenger seat of my 68 Mustang. I had a 68 Mustang at the time. Why I got rid of it, I'll never know. But um, I had a 68 Mustang. Beautiful car. Put the crickets down in the passenger seat of the Mustang. I head home. It's about a 25-minute ride home. I get home, and I forget the crickets. I left them in the passenger seat, and I go inside the house for the rest of the evening. And it just so happens it was the coldest night of the year. It was freezing. So I came out the next morning to head back into the office. I get in the car, and there in the passenger seat is the brown paper bag. And so I pick up the bag, and I'm like, oh, no. And I sh shook the bag. And not a creature was stirring. <laughs> I opened the bag and looked in, and they're all dead. They're all dead. The coldest night of the year killed my crickets. So I thought, man, at lunch, I'm going to have to go get some more crickets to feed Harley, you know. And, uh, and so I, I put the, the bag back in the seat, and I start back to the office, or take off to the office. About five minutes from the office, I hear something in the bag. Something is stirring. I thought, there's no way. 
there's absolutely no way. And so at the red light, I, I reached over and I looked. And sure enough, crickets are starting to crawl. They're coming up the side of the bag and stuff. So I tighten it down. I'm like, you know. And then the rest of my ride, the rest of my five minutes, it, I was just shouting and glorifying God. I was like, it's a resurrected crickets. Praise the Lord, you know. I know I'm a good preacher, but wow, look at this, you know. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. It, it, it truly was a, a miracle. But really what happened was um, they go into like a comatose state whenever they get cold. And we, yeah. In the nick of time, we warmed them up, you know, and they, 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 they were resurrected. <laughs> Resurrection is one of those topics that is just weird. It's strange. It's hard to buy into. I mean, if, if someone were to walk up to you right now and say, I was resurrected. I was dead. Dead as a doornail. And, and somebody raised me to life or something raised me to life. We would have a hard time believing that because it's hard to, to wrap your mind around resurrection. And even though the disciples had heard the message, they had witnessed the miracles, they still struggled to believe the validity of the resurrection. Jesus had told them numerous times, the Son of Man must die and three days later will rise again. He told them the temple will be destroyed, and three days later, it will be built again. And he wasn't talking about the temple temple. He was talking about him, the temple. And even though they had heard Jesus talk about the resurrection, they just couldn't quite buy into it. And, and, and I understand that because it's just a strange subject. It's just, it's just not something that you can easily buy into. And so I want to read this morning from Matthew 27. Matthew chapter 27, verse 45 is where I'll start reading. And I, and I want to forewarn you, this is not your typical Easter message, even though it is um, talking about the crucifixion of Christ. As I said earlier, Pastor Andrew did a great job of getting Jesus out of the tomb this morning at the sunrise service. And I'm still talking about resurrection power, but, but I want to look at it in a different light. And so Matthew... Chapter 27, starting at verse 45. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, this man is calling Elijah and and one of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the other said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. When the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, Truly, this was the Son of God. The people that were primarily responsible for the crucifixion and death of Jesus were known as the Sanhedrin. They were the ruling religious body of the Jews, and, and they would meet every day except for festivals and on Sabbath. Every other day they would meet. 
They would convene. They would talk about trials. They would, they, they would talk about Old Testament scripture. They would, they would have their meetings every day except during festivals and except on a Sabbath, a day like today that is set aside for worship and for rest. But they were so angry with Jesus and his claims to be the Messiah that they met, convicted, and crucified Jesus during the Passover festival, breaking their own rules. The Sanhedrin was made up of two groups of religious leaders. I shared this just a few weeks ago. The, the Sadducees were part of that group. They, they were made up of priests and they ran the temple in Jerusalem. The Pharisees were made up of rabbis and they managed the synagogues in, in the small villages outside of, uh, of Jerusalem. I share with you the major theological differences between the two groups. And, and one of those major differences was that the Sadducees or the priests said that there would not be a resurrection of the dead. And the Pharisees, the rabbis, said that there would be a resurrection of the dead. This explains why a man by the name of Jairus, uh, who, who was a ruler of the synagogue is what the Bible tells us. He beckoned Jesus to come and raise up his sick daughter. Jesus, come to my house. Lay your hands on my sick daughter. Raise her from, from, from this sickness. But by the time they finally got to his house, she was dead. And so Jesus raised his daughter from the dead. But you see, that wasn't enough for them to believe. The Pharisees, they reserved their belief, uh, their belief in the resurrection for the afterlife. Let me explain this to you. Though they believed that there was, was life after this life, maybe like an alternative universe or something, you know, something happens after we die, but, 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 but they did not believe in a bodily resurrection in this life. Like if you were dead and your body lays there, there's no way possible that that body can come back to life. They only believed in an afterlife resurrection. So when claims that Jesus was raising people from the dead started to surface, the Sanhedrin, both groups of religious leaders, did not want to believe it. They were skeptical to say the least. Throughout his ministry, Jesus often told people not to speak of his resurrection power. Matter of fact, after he raised Jairus' daughter from the dead, the Bible says that he strictly charged them that no one should know this. He told them, don't go tell anybody that I just raised this man's daughter from the dead. And, and this was important because at the moment that he starts laying claim to resurrection power, at the moment he says, yes, I am that Messiah, things are going to expedite. They are going to immediately want to crucify him. So he needed to keep his miracles somewhat quiet because there was still work that had to be done. I believe that part of that work was still preparing his disciples because right at the end of his earthly life here, he had some very meaningful conversations with his disciples as he was preparing them because he was about to put this movement called Christianity in their hands. They were going to have to carry this forward. If it's going to go around the globe, if it's going to become worldwide, he's got to trust it in their hands. And so he didn't need to be arrested just yet. So he had to be careful on what knowledge was known about him. And when his friend Lazarus died, there was this turmoil that took place in, in the mind of Christ. We see it. It's no secret that, that, that Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, Father, if you could let this cup pass from me. In other words, I, I'm not too keen on being crucified. If there's another way we can do this, then, then let's do that. But then he says, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. The human side of Jesus was, was coming through. 
didn't want people to know that there was resurrection power that flowed from him. I believe that's part of the reason why it says Jesus wept when he found out about Lazarus because he knows at that moment I've got to go raise him up from the dead and it is about to expedite the process of my crucifixion. For two days he hesitates. He doesn't immediately take off. He waits for two days before he starts his journey to Bethany and Bethany was right outside of Jerusalem. And so when he shows up in Bethany, there's going to be a crowd waiting there. And if he raises his friend Lazarus from the grave, very quickly things are going to take off. He will be arrested very soon, and he knows this. So by the time that he gets there, Lazarus is dead, and the sisters of Lazarus, Mary and Martha, they were upset with Jesus. And so Jesus told Martha in John 11 and verse 25, he he says these words, this is so profound. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Listen to those words. Listen to this claim that Jesus makes. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And he makes that statement and people are standing there. They know now he's claiming to have resurrection power. And by the time that he raised Lazarus from the grave, the Sanhedrin was starting to believe that maybe, just maybe, he could raise the dead. And this meant trouble for them because if they're going to keep their thumb on the religious order of that nation, if they are going to keep Judaism as the, 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 the centralized form of religion for that particular region, then they cannot let him live. And immediately, right after Lazarus is raised from the grave, John 11, verses 47 and 48 says, So the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered the council and said, What are we to do? For this man performs many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And that is the moment that they said he must die. And after this, Jesus could no longer walk openly around the Jews. He would have to retreat in exile to a nearby village to stay out of the limelight for just a few more days so that he could sow into his disciples. But then the time came. Five weeks ago, I told you, a 12-year-old boy knew what he wanted to do with his life. That he would be the Messiah He would be the sacrifice for our sin. You can't keep that in exile. He knew what he had to do, and the time came. Now now listen, this is where we're going to take a little bit of a turn, and I want everybody to stay with me because this is so important. If you want to prove that you have resurrection power flowing through you, If it's time for the masses to find out that you are truly the resurrection and the life, if you're going to do it, do it big. If it's time to make your announcement to the world that you are the resurrection and the life, then you do something so big that nobody can deny what happens. They denied it all the way. Through his beating, through his trial, 
nailing him on a cross. They denied him all the way through that. But, but, but something is about to happen. You see, just a, a few days earlier, he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey announcing that he was the Messiah, finally letting the cat out of the bag. I am the one who will redeem Israel, claiming that he would rise from the dead. That's when they arrested him, tried him, crucified him. But here's what happens. At the moment that he dies... At the moment that he says it is finished and he bows his head and gives up his spirit and he dies. At that very moment, resurrection power exploded from Calvary. Verses 51 through 53 that we read in our text, it tells us. At the moment that he died, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Let me tell you what that means for us. This signified that the sin of common man, my sin, no longer separated us from God the Father. We no longer had to go to a priest to pray to God, to communicate with God. When that veil was torn, when that curtain was ripped in two, it it opened up the Holy of Holies so that me, so that you, so that we can enter into the Holy of Holies in our prayer And we can now communicate with God. I don't have to rely on another man. I've got direct access to the throne room of God. And at the moment, at the moment that he died, it says that the curtain of the temple was torn in two. It said that at the moment that he died, the earth shook and the rocks split. And here's where it gets really crazy. I'm telling you, buckle up. It says the tombs broke open. The tombs broke open at the moment he died. Some of you, you've never noticed that. I read it in our text this morning and you just looked right on past it. You've heard it before, but you've never focused on it. Some of you just a few weeks ago, I briefly mentioned it during the series and and I saw the look on your faces. You were just a little puzzled. Like, did the Bible really say that, that that really happened? Listen to what happened. When Jesus died on the cross, at that very moment, as resurrection power exudes from Calvary, the bodies of saints, people that believed in Jesus, believed that he was the resurrection, that he was the life. At the moment that that happened, those who were dead were raised to life. And the Bible says that they came out of their tombs and they went into the holy city, that's Jerusalem, and they appeared to many people. That means people were just just sitting around and they see their loved ones or their friends walking by. And this is one of the most important verses in all of your Bible. It's important for us. It's important for us to understand that that through Jesus, there is resurrection power. If you want to prove that you truly are the resurrection and the life, then fill the streets of Jerusalem with resurrected people because nobody can deny that. You can't deny that any longer. Think about it. Two men having coffee, just in a little coffee shop, you know, somewhere in the middle of Jerusalem. They're sitting there at that little cafe table. They're sipping on coffee. And and one of them looks at the other one. He says, man, I sure miss Sam. He was a good old guy. You know, Sam, Sam, I wish he was here with us because, man, he loved this dark roast. He sure did. He loved the dark roast. And all of a sudden, Sam walks up and says, hey, guys, is that seat taken? Whoa, Sam, where'd you come from, man? We went to your funeral. Little girl and her mom standing in the market. Mom's just looking for some bread and stuff, holding her little girl's hand. Little girl looks up and says, mom, there goes Papa. 
baby, Papa died five months ago. Just shh, don't say stuff like that. Mom, there goes Papa. He's walking around. People were coming back to life. At the moment Jesus died, resurrection power flowed from Calvary and the graves busted open. He could not contain these people because the power and the res- of the resurrection and the life was so great that, 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 that people just had to come back to life. It's hard to deny that he has risen when people who were dead are now alive. And, and here's what I want to tell you. He is still resurrecting lives today. He's still resurrecting lives today. I, I want to show this to you. I'm going to prove this to you today. Because in this room right now, there are lives that have been raised from the dead. I, I've been praying about this. I've been praying, Lord, please don't let me down on this. Don't let them let me down on this. But I need to show you this. Some of you are about to help me preach without even saying a word. When I make these statements, if it applies to you, I only want you to stand and remain standing. That's all you have to do. If you have battled anxiety or depression and God raised you up, I want you to stand. If your marriage was failing, but God raised it up, I want you to stand. If you battled addictions, but God raised you up out of those addictions, I want you to stand. If you were a sinner and you've been saved by God's grace, I want you to stand. Thank you. You can sit down. The greatest witness to his resurrection is our resurrection. Because when dead people walk again, people believe it. Because you can't deny that. And there are people that they knew your life. You were a walking dead man. You were dead in your skin. Going through the motions of life. But somehow, some way, at the moment Jesus Christ died, resurrection power went forth from Calvary and it has not stopped flowing yet. I think it circled the globe and came back about three days later and that's what raised him up out of the grave. And it hasn't stopped. It just keeps flowing. It just keeps going. Lives keep being resurrected. Rise, 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 and it keeps happening. Let me show you what some of you have been doing with your life. And it's frustrating for you. I know it is. It's, it's tough. You're working hard trying to overcome maybe you have an addiction. 
You've been through every 12-step program that you know. time you think that you've got the best of it. About the time you think you've overcome that addiction, something happens and it just lets the wind right out of you. You've done all you can do to save your marriage. Even when they're not trying, you keep trying. It's exhausting. And then you do something just right. I mean, and it's just, it's a weekend from heaven. It's like you're on your honeymoon again and you feel like, finally, I got a grip on this. And then Monday hits and you're both at each other's throat again and it just lets the wind right out of your marriage. some of you it's as simple as you're just trying to live a Christian life it's my third service just bear with me you're trying everything you can to make it to heaven exhausting every effort as if it's within your own ability. And what you fail to realize is that your salvation has absolutely nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with what he did for you. And you slip and fall and it lets the wind right out of you. They tell me that in order for a balloon to float like, like these, that something has to displace the air with something that's lighter. That's why they put helium gas in these balloons. It displaces the air with something lighter and it causes them to float. And for some of you, you keep carrying around those burdens that you're not designed to carry. You keep trying to fix you. And it's not working. And at the moment that you realize, I've got to quit trying to fix me and I've got to let God fix me. You've got to replace that error with something lighter if you're going to rise above it. Matthew 11 and 29, listen to the words of Jesus. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Friend, why do you keep carrying around that heavy burden? 
When it's time to lay it at the foot of the cross and just say, you know what? I need Jesus. There's no other answer for me and for my life. I need Jesus. And you've got to exchange, displace your heavy burden for his burden that is light. I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful that when he said, take up your cross and follow me, that my cross wasn't the same as his cross. My cross is a whole lot less burdensome. It's much lighter. He says, let me displace those troubles with something that's lighter. Romans 8 and 11 says, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. It's simple. Accepting Jesus Christ helps us rise. Rise. Rise, rise. It's resurrection power. And today is your day of salvation. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.